0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Politicus. My name is Angela Simoes, and I'm here with my most awesome, esteemed co-host, Denise Borges. Hi, Denise.
1: Hello, and how is my dear and esteemed and <laughs> the who's who of the right. Portuguese American world, Angela Costa Simoes?
0: You know, I hope that our listeners get a good laugh out of every time we say that. As much as I get a good laugh out of it.
1: (laughs) Well, it's always different. (laughs)
0: Uh, Anyway, always good to be here with you, Denise. Do you want to go ahead and introduce our guest today?
1: Yes, we're very excited as we always are with all of our podcasts, but I'm very excited because I've gotten to meet uh, personally and been with him a few times in the beautiful city of Lisbon, our honored guest for this um, uh, podcast. And uh, he is uh, representative Alan Sylvia from uh, the great state of Massachusetts. How are you doing, your friend?
2: I am well. I- I'm surprised you didn't say the honorable esteemed.
1: well, uh, certainly esteemed and, <laughs> and, and, and I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say <laughs> my favorite state representative from Massachusetts. So you know the other guys are going to get you know upset at me, but uh, we uh, we've had some interesting conversation and we' shared, we shared one of the uh, seminars at, at flat sitting next to each other, which where we traded messages like kids in school. I know,
2: (laughs) you know, that's, that's just so interesting. You know, when we look back at that, you know, we weren't wearing masks then, Denise.
1: That's right. Oh my God. um, Yeah. We don't want to do that.
2: It was, um, it was very interesting and enjoyable. It was. Enjoyable.
1: It was, and I enjoyed uh, chatting with you about the political world and uh, and the Portuguese American community. Uh, and so, um, Representative Sylvia, let's start a little bit, if you don't mind. That uh, we try to start these um, uh, podcasts, especially the first time we have someone as a guest, asking them to give us a little bit of a bio. Of course, as I mentioned, you're you know in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You represent the 7th uh, District uh, State Representative of Bristol. Um, you have had a long and distinguished career that has taken you from uh, the uh, United States Marines to law enforcement and uh, to uh, in the State House. So, and, of course, uh, if you don't mind telling us a little bit also about your Portuguese connection. So a little bit about yourself and your Portuguese connection, if you don't mind.
2: Absolutely, and thank you. It's a pleasure to be beyond Politicus. Uh, You know, I've had the opportunity to review some of the podcasts and and, uh, enjoyed uh, meeting some of those folks virtually, of course. But uh, I was born in Fall River, and I presently represent the 7th Bristol District, the city of Fall River, just Fall River, about 50,000 residents in my district. Mm. And um, born uh, here, went to public schools here. Graduated from Durfee High School, uh, left as you mentioned to go to the United States Marine Corps. Served in Southeast Asia in 1970. Returned, uh, realized how important uh, it would be for me to get back to school. Went to, started at the community college, I graduated from Bristol Community College. Went on to Northeastern University for my undergraduate degree in criminal justice. Uh, it was about that time uh, in the uh, later. Late '70s, that I went on the uh, floor of a police department as a as a police officer in 1976 or so, and remained in the uniform division for two years. Went on to detectives and remained there for 19 more years in the major crimes division. Uh, while I was. Uh, on the police department, I was able to enroll in classes at uh, South Virginia University in Newport, Rhode Island, only 17 miles from from where uh, where I reside in Fall River, and received my graduate degree in uh, in administration in the in the 80s. Right following my, um, I, I had to leave the police department in uh, 1998 as a result of a fractured vertebrae after being in a cruiser accident, and. Um, Went on to be, um, I was very involved with uh, child abuse investigation and domestic violence issues. I was a, a batterist counselor mm-hmm. and uh, was hired by a number of local agencies to do counseling for uh, work with men who, would, who were batterists, who were in uh, charge mm-hmm. of domestic violence. And um, shortly thereafter, I was asked to be a executive director of a, a of a youth organization called Portuguese Youth Organization. Hmm. An organization that had been around for a number of years in Fall River, uh, working primarily with, of course, uh, those who their first language was Portuguese. That organization doesn't exist today. It was uh, taken over by Seven Hills Foundation, a Hmm. large vendor. But we were doing a lot of work with um, safe child visitation, uh, domestic violence, Substance abuse treatment, and just helping uh, the community in general. It was there that I um, started a small business, working with receiving a contract with two local houses of correction, Bristol County and and um, and the Cape, uh, working with prisoners on uh, uh, and had seventeen employees working with them with uh, regard to domestic violence and substance abuse. So. And, of course, then I decided to run for, for, for office and lost, yeah. lost on the first, uh, first try by a couple of hundred votes. And then finally in uh, 2012, I, I won uh, by seven votes in the primary. That seven keeps popping up for me. Seven <laughs> Bristol district. And then there was a recount and uh, won by 27 votes. And I've been, uh, I've been here since. Without an opponent, thank God, I don't have one right now, so uh, it's, it, that's going great. Um, the, and so
1: you, you run every two years, is it? Every, every, two, years, every two years, unfortunately. Okay, yeah,
2: <laughs> that's hard. But it was a little longer. But... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, never yeah. understood that completely, the same thing in California, but that's, that's, yeah, that, that, that's, you that's you the way it is.
2: You're always uh, in anticipation of an election, and um, it weighs on you because uh, – but it, I think it's also good because it uh, keeps you on top of issues and,
0: and sure.
1: So there's pros and cons,
2: right? And, and, so
0: yeah.
1: yeah, no, I was going to say, and um, uh, of course, being from Fall River and uh, your Portuguese connection, I know you have roots in the Azores, correct?
2: Correct. Um, so my grandparents uh, were from um, both from the Azores. They came here in and around 1910. Came to Boston. My grandmother, um, my grandmother and grandfather married here. In Fall River. The, uh, my grandmother came with the equivalent of uh, five US dollars uh, aboard ship in uh, 1910. Started working in a textile factory, and she reminded me before she passed that she was making about $6 a week for 70 hours of work or more. Hmm. And uh, uh, my grandfather was a mason, but also um, was working uh, uh, in a textile factory. So textiles, of course, was uh, one of the reasons why they came. They knew they could get a, uh, a decent job and survive. But our roots go back to about 300 years in the in the, in the San Miguel. Um, is was uh, in the area of Lagoa. Mm-hmm. So my brother has done some research and uh, has our family there. And then prior to the 300 years, we go back to Porto mm-hmm. and... Uh, my grandmother was born in Fuzish. so, uh, you know, I, of course, I love San Miguel. I love, right. uh, I love the cuisine of, of all of Portugal, sure. <laughs> as, you, as you well know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, um, of course, representing the city in the area of the city of Fall River, it goes without saying that the Portuguese-American community represents a good chunk of your constituents.
2: Absolutely. So I, I would say we, I used we used to say sixty percent of the population had a Portuguese surname. I think that it's uh, uh, at least fifty percent mm-hmm. even today. It's hard pressed to find the individuals who uh, Portuguese is their first language spoken because uh, less and less of that exists. Sure. My my uh, linguistic abilities though in Portuguese were never that that good. Um, when I of course my my parents were born here, so I'm really like, uh, you know, second, third generation. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were born here in Fall River as well. But, um, you know, my my grandmother and grandfather communicated with me in Portuguese as a child. And my my parents would, uh, especially my mother, would get upset with with them and say, don't speak Portuguese to him. He's going to have a tough time in school. Well, I had a tough time in school anyway. <laughs> but, it but it wasn't because I had any confusion over uh, language issues. I wish they would have just, uh, you know, let that alone, because um, today I would love to be more uh, fluent in the sure. language. Uh, I certainly understand uh, uh, lots and throw in an occasional uh, word.
1: It was uh, it was a different time and people wanted to be part of America, you know, and it was a different time politically as well. You know, it's just not it was uh, and it was a time also that people actually didn't believe uh, wholeheartedly that knowing, you know, another language um, would hamper you or would 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 be right. something that that wouldn't be an upper hand when you went to school. It's totally different today, as we all know. But, you know, when we talk about 40, 50, 60 years ago, it was a different situation. Yeah,
2: Sure. We're talking in the, in the uh, you know, uh, mid-50s. You know, I was uh, born in 51. So in sure. the mid-50s and late-50s, we, we also had in Fall River, like in many other places, today we talk about bigotry and prejudice uh, we we had lots of that uh within our uh you know the, the issues of you know we had the, the french section of fall river we had the the uh, irish section of fall river you know uh they would uh, occasionally uh, say negative things about the portuguese community right. Right. Uh, so i grew up with that and and um, some of those uh those things that happened that, you know, you, that stay with you. You know, I, I remember going to my mother and asking why they, there was a, per, a French parochial school about two blocks from my house. And as I go to school, that I say, mom, why are they calling me a black Portuguese? Hmm. You know, and, and, you know, isn't hmm. that when you yeah. think about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, I look back at those things now today and uh, of course, uh, today we we have no specific neighborhood uh, in the city where you could say it's primarily Portuguese. It's it's primarily Irish. Today we're we're, we're a melting pot in, in our community. So but it's
1: uh, it's less segregated today, Representative Sylvia, than it was, you know, forty five fifty years
2: ago. Absolutely. So okay. yeah, it's 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 very much very different than it was then. <laughs> um, what we have lost, of course, is some of those cultural issues. You know, although we have, I'm going to say some of the best Portuguese restaurants in New England That's here true. in Fall River we uh, um, we, we have a, in Fall River we have uh, probably 10 to 12 Portuguese well-known Portuguese restaurants and uh, of course the, the culture is often promoted uh, by uh, food and by fastage mm-hmm. and uh, all of those things that the churches and and community organizations continue to do of course not now, as a result of COVID. Sure. But, uh, I was I
1: was going to ask about that. How has how have you felt um, as uh, you know a state representative from the uh, Fall River area, that you know huge Portuguese area, like you said, you know uh, nearly half the population, or around half, or, or over half of the population of Portuguese background, one way or another, second, third, even fourth generation. How has this affected the community itself in not being able to have these events that are so part of our culture?
2: Well, it's it's changed it's changed our lives. Uh, you know, I was uh, I'm in my district office right now. I'm on South Main Street. I maintain an office here. And the whole idea was to you know have public access where I can help constituents because the district that I represent uh, has about a 17 percent unemployment rate right at this moment. But it was always higher than norm. It was always um, a disadvantaged for many. Uh, homelessness has uh, creeped up, but we had the homelessness issue in the past. So uh, we're very hands-on uh, working with constituents. We still allow them access now into the office. We've been here every day uh, as long as they wear a mask and uh, we social distance. Uh, so that allows us to help people in getting food to folks and and other services. But uh, all of those events that normally would take place with uh, Community organizations and dinners and and mm-hmm. uh, so many of those things have been all uh, canceled. We're seeing we're seeing it creep up a, a little now, but we're we'll, we're still not anywhere close to uh, meeting uh, openly uh, as we had uh, several months ago. Do so you think? It, do you think that
1: some of these events will will return like they were, or will it have some I kind do, of an impact? I do okay. think that
2: they're going to return because, um, you know, the, the church sponsored many of these organizations, these events, mm-hmm. these fasts. I, I do think that that will return for a number of reasons. Of course, for the raising of, of necessary resources that um, you know they haven't been receiving, but also uh, we have the great feast of the Speech song, the Holy mm-hmm. Ghost, uh, that takes place every year. That had to be canceled this year for the first time. That is usually one that draws thousands of people from Canada, from all over the United States uh, to the city. Um, that didn't happen this year. One of the biggest issues that I have about that, and overall is the fact when I say a loss of those cultural and those traditions that are so important, when I think of, you know, the tr- traditions of, around the church, speech sound, I see some of that being lost with um, – as uh, more and more people uh, assimilate to, you know, being in the United States and losing their, their their grandparents and family was what held some of those traditions together, and I I really don't want to see that uh, disappear because it's so important to us.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, culture take a little bit, um, as, as you mentioned, you were in uh, law enforcement all those years and, and all the years that you did, you know, with the abu- abuse and, and and counseling. And um, what, uh, what was the major reason that drove you to run for political office? We have always uh, young people, and not so young, uh, who listen to the podcast. And, uh, you know, we are in a political climate again you know many people actually here in the west coast and even throughout the the east coast as well and throughout the united states Are kind of thinking of uh, you know maybe running for something uh, this uh, fall. Um, There's lots of offices are open, and uh, in some areas uh, they can still file for it, uh, especially for local offices. What made you take that step into uh, running for the state house, and uh, and uh, were there any particular kind of issues that drove you into that?
2: So there were always. I always had uh, an interest in politics in. Costs of local politics always very interested even even in high school uh, listening in the evening to radio uh, To what was going on nationally and and uh, locally, but I I became uh, involved immersed in local campaigns Um, Matter of fact the seat that I hold was held for 30 years by State representative Robert Correa Someone who was well known in the in the Portuguese community, and even in the uh, uh, in the 1970s with Flod, and he started the first Portuguese Heritage uh, event day at the State House. He was he was the, he was the uh, author of that, and uh, so I I hold that district. So I was very involved at age 12 in his campaign, wow. and every year would be involved. Uh, Uh, Very close to that family and still with him today. He is on an age. He's retired. Of course, I speak with him probably once weekly Uh, he lives about uh, half a mile from where I'm sitting so uh, Even back then he was a CYO director and that's how I became involved Catholic youth organization involved Mm -hmm. with again with the church Uh, Parish life and church and the Portuguese community were very close you know uh, that was uh, lots of our activity was uh, with uh, CYO and uh, the involvement with, with, with church and, and family. So um, I go back, way back at age 12 or 11, working on political campaigns, holding signs, and I continued doing that uh, for a number of years, right, up until very much involved, even when I was on the police department in local campaigns. and. Mm-hmm. And decided uh, shortly thereafter that I didn't feel that we were having, we had the representation that we should have had here after after Representative Correa left. He became mayor of the city of Fall River, and that's when I decided to, to run for office. But I have to tell you a funny story. My grandfather, who, who uh, primarily spoke just Portuguese, he would, and it's, this is so important, and I tell this story, story always when I'm on the local radio, about voting and the importance mm-hmm. of voting. Uh, I would, I would say, he's seldom wore a tie. But on on one occasion, when I went to him, at probably the age of I don't know, eleven or twelve, I said, "Vavu, why do you have a gavata on?" <laughs> he would say, "Because today I vote." I'm not wow. sure he knew even knew who he was voting for, but he knew the importance of voting.
1: That's lovely.
2: And and uh, I'll never forget that story. I, I probably repeated a couple of times a year when I'm on local radio we're trying to get people to vote because it's so very important uh, to get out there and cast that vote. So it's something that I continue to do. I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm very involved with in, on social media. I, as you probably know, I, yeah. I try to post two or three things a day. <laughs> and uh, uh, because I always say, if you don't, they don't see you on social media, it didn't happen. Sure. Well, yeah. And, and it's, right? the way, no. it's the
1: way people communicate. You can't fight it. You know,
2: so they can't say, "Where's Representative Sylvia been? Yeah. What has he done? Mm-hmm. What does he do?" Well, they know what I did in the morning. They know <laughs> what I'm doing this afternoon. They know I'm on a podcast today. They know, you know. So I think that 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 is important for people to realize, especially during this period of time, during when we're involved and in, so heavily involved with what's happening with uh, COVID. Uh, uh, everything's politicized, are the schools opening, are they closing? Uh, We just said, the governor just made an announcement here in Massachusetts yesterday that, you know, if you go to Rhode Island because their numbers have increased, well, you have to quarantine for 14 days, except uh, my district is, uh, right now, I'm two blocks from Rhode Island. Right. (laughs) These people shop in Rhode Island. So we're, we're sending a letter out today to the governor to clarify that, because if they're in Rhode Island for less than 24 hours and they don't need to quarantine for 14 days. So I got people calling me, uh, you know, saying, uh, what do we do? Uh, you know, I, my, my brother, my, my, son lives, uh, in Tiverton. Uh, that's uh, three minutes from here. Uh, do I have to quarantine for 14 days or am I going to be fine? $500? Yeah. Well, and so, aren't there
0: people that like live in one state and work in the other because absolutely. you are so close. Absolutely. So that would
2: affect right. things so
0: too.
2: Yeah. I just want some clarification because, uh, Right now, the director says, if you know, if you go to Rhode Island, you, you you have to be quarantined. Well, you know, there should be some. You know, if it's less than twenty-four hours, and there's no need to quarantine you. You know, if you uh, you're social distancing and you're wearing a mask and you and you're washing and sanitizing your hands, and uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be any difference. So we have a number of border communities like mine, border districts that uh, you know, these people are there's 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 no uh, checkpoint. Sure. And there's sure. also no COVID police, <laughs> well, <laughs> fortunately. Mm-hmm. But but you know
1: when you say that there is, a, there's one thing that I wanted to discuss with you because uh, you know we trust your opinion and we and and your many years of service uh, uh, at various levels and certainly in the state house and so close that you are to your constituents and that's you know kudos to you. But as you know, uh, following politics since the age of 11 and 12, you know, at a national level, there's been, and, you know, Palkus just had a webinar, Angela and I just had a webinar with a local doctor from, originally from Rhode Island, Dr. Amaral, who now uh, resides in Florida, very well known in the East Coast. And he was talking about the differences between Portugal and the United States, and how um, it was made a very, you know, uh, high priority in the public health issue. And then all political parties in Portugal just went along. Um, here, we've at a national level, we have such a division. You know, one party, you know, promotes masks; the other party doesn't promote masks. One party does this, one party does that. And it's kind of an antagonism all the way through. But the numbers in your state, in Massachusetts, have been really well. And it seems like, although it's a very, very heavy uh, Democratic state um, with a Republican governor right now, um, there's been some work that uh, both parties have been able to come together in Massachusetts. How have you made that happen?
2: Well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's worked well. Um, you know, we have, uh, there are 160 members of the House. They're representing our 300 and... Uh, 60 communities, um, districts in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are about 24 Republicans. Right. Um, so yeah,
1: you have a very, very large uh, supermajority, as we call it here in California.
2: Uh, but you're working
1: with a Republican governor.
2: Absolutely, and we we work well together. You know, it isn't that. Uh, I always tell folks, uh, it isn't that uh, uh, that what we see, what you see in Washington, that animosity doesn't exist with us. We have our differences. Sure. We uh, we work closely together. Uh, I sit in a section, uh, the second uh, section of the, in, in the in the in Boston in the, in the uh, chamber where I'm surrounded by Republicans and some of them are my best friends. I'm also considered a moderate, so I'm not uh, I'm not the uh, you know the far left socialist. I'm I'm not there. Uh, I'm I'm more in the middle. Uh, and I think the older I get, the more conservative I become sometimes. Don't. <laughs> These are bizarre times. We're living in bizarre times, you know, with, with the, the anti-police movement. The, yeah, uh, right, the, right. It's, like the, it's like the sky is falling. So every day is a new twist. Some things you never thought were going to happen. Yeah, but it exactly. seems
1: like it seems like in Massachusetts, uh, quite to the contrary of some other states, um, and especially as you mentioned, as a national state, you've been able to, and and this has happened before. Massachusetts has always been a very democratic, you know, whether moderates or you know uh, uh, progressive, but very democratic state. But you've you, you're You're well known at the national level for having your most famous uh, Republican governors, not just the one now, but Mitt Romney, you know, many years ago. Uh, And so, um, and it seems like yet you've been able to do work. And where right now it's uh, and it's not something new, you know, it's not something of this administration at a national level it happened also with the with the Obama administration and a couple others as well. But um, it seems like you've been able to do uh, when I say you, Massachusetts, have been able to do work and yeah. to take care of the people's business uh, and to, you know, and to come to some kind of consensus.
2: Mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, just last week uh, we were in session every day and evening. As a matter of fact, Friday evening, we went into Saturday morning at quarter of one hmm. uh, to pass an environmental uh, some environmental legislation. We had the police reform issue, which was very controversial. Uh, that wasn't a clear cut vote. It was, uh, you know, I was a part of the opposition in that. I, I voted no. Uh, it still passed, uh, but is in conference committee now with the Senate, going to the governor. The governor we suggest will probably veto some items in that around qualified immunity, which is uh, uh, one of the one of the, the issues that is uh, uh, greatly uh, concerning concerned by many uh, law enforcement and, and mm-hmm. others. So uh, w- we don't always um, see perfectly eye to eye, but we have a great relationship with our governor. He has been open to Democrats and Republicans alike, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it's not unusual to get a call from him. Uh, I, I love the story that I, I I wish my mother was alive so that I, I could tell her that I walked out of the elevator and I ran into the governor on my way to, to a speaking engagement with veterans. And the governor said, uh, are you going to the same place I'm going? And I said, yes, I am. He said, what should I say? I love that. <laughs> Governor's asking me what to say. I would love my mother to hear that.
1: <laughs> well, uh,
2: but <laughs> he's, awesome a, that? He's, a,
1: he's a wise man. He knows you have those votes. <laughs>
2: so, but no, so we, we, we were able to do this. It's it's very disheartening when you see what's happening in Congress right at the moment. Mm-hmm. When you see the inability to work things out and to negotiate. You mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. those are the things that are disturbing to me. I'll be glad when this election is over. Sure. Because we can get. We're not sure. People are confused more and more, uh, no matter what they watch, uh, if it's CNN, MSNBC or Fox. They're they're, they're totally confused. um, And uh, it's going to be interesting after this is over. Mm -hmm. You know, for those of us who who follow the news, read the newspaper uh, and, uh, you know, enjoy that, much of the population, you know, are concerned of what they're going to eat today and what time they're getting home from work. Sure. Uh, they're not so concerned with the intricacies of, of what's going on in government. And, sure. and, uh, the, so they're, they're lost, uh, when it comes down to, you know, how, how these states that are struggling are going to be assisted by the federal government. They need, there needs to be a stimulus for them if we're able to take care of our communities. So, uh, we're fortunate in Massachusetts that we have a $3.5 billion uh, rainy day fund, mm-hmm. uh, And uh, but other states don't have that uh, you know that same uh, issue,
1: and and of course that may seem to be a lot of money, but it can go by really. But
2: that goes by quick. Yeah, Uh, you know, it's like having three dollars and fifty cents in your wallet.
1: Sure. Yeah. (laughs) California had a very very large rainy day fund that it seems like it's going to be gone if nothing changes in in the next you know. Year and a half, basically. So, uh, uh, one of the one of the issues that I also wanted to get your opinion on, because of your, and I know uh, Angela, we're almost running out of time, but I'd like to get to uh representatives uh, take on this i know your experience in 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 law enforcement and of course within your own party you are a registered democrat and you're and you're staying close to the, your community having your office open and doing everything that you do and from the social media posts to the presence you know physically is of course one of the reasons why you never have or very, very rarely do you have opposition and kudos to you for that but um within the you know after the uh, uh, the death of george floyd and some of the other happenings that you know went through you know happened throughout the, the country and there's been of course a lot of different things about you know uh, analyzing law enforcement and i you know as you mentioned you're you're more on the moderates to conservative side of the democratic party on that what is, what are, what is your are your feelings on the issue of defunding police and is that being misunderstood
2: uh being misunderstood you know i i i Of course, like, and I speak with law enforcement officers not only throughout the Commonwealth. I happen to be the vice chair of the Joint Committee on Public Safety, 24 years as a police officer. So, uh, and I've had the opportunity to speak to uh, law enforcement professionals, uh, you know, in other states. What happened with with George Floyd is a travesty. It was murder. uh, And I haven't spoke to one law enforcement professional who disagrees with that. Uh, but we can't paint uh, police with the same brush and say that they're all racists, that they're all they're all bigots. Uh, not true. We have so many uh, police officers. I say ninety-eight uh, percent of our officers uh, do exactly what they should do to serve and protect and concerned about uh, the lives of, of uh, our citizens. You know. Much of our legislation around police reform we totally and I totally agree with. We're talking about you know uh, anti um, bias training, issues around uh, uh, use of force, mm-hmm. uh, with the decreditation of police officers and mm-hmm. accrediting police officers uh, every three years, uh, the uh, the process in, in removing them, uh, something that hadn't existed before. Uh, I, I I'm supportive of, of all of that 40 hours of a year of mandatory uh, training and, and, and In-service training. So uh, I am I'm, I'm supportive of all of that. Uh, I'm not supportive of uh, the issues around uh, of, of Removing the qualified immunity issue. I'm also have some concerns around use of force when it comes to using the methods that they use to disperse large crowds you know when a, a large crowd when a crowd is much larger and unruly and in size that uh, is more than the than the police officers you have available then what is it that you use to disperse that large crowd or you just allow them to destroy and burn buildings I say not I think that we have to uh, we have to uh, there has to be a line there mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, I understand uh, tear gas is, is it may not be acceptable, but uh, I speak to people who don't see the use of canines as acceptable. The use of water is acceptable. The tear gas not acceptable. Uh, what is it you do other than just let them break windows and burn mm-hmm. cars? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. Yeah.
0: I'm just curious if there have been, um, or if you know of examples of. Um, where there has been a sort of restructuring of things within a uh, police department or other law enforcement, kind of in the theme that you know when people talk about defunding the police, what they're, you know, what it really means is to sort of to look at things and how can we restructure, or reinvest, improve training, that sort of thing. Do you have any examples that you can talk about sure, that I, helps people you know, understand I, what that means?
2: I can tell you what that other communities in the United States are doing, but uh, locally. You know, we have a, an accredited police department here in Fall River. We have, we have a, a achieved accreditation that um, many communities in the Commonwealth here have not achieved. As a matter of fact, there are only uh, 20 or 30 who have this type of accreditation that we have locally. But, you know, Boston has had a number of issues, um, uh, uh, diverse police departments Um, I think diversity issues is one that has to be addressed in ensuring that the the, You know police forces are more diverse, but when we're looking at the funding It's an impossibility. That's an oxymoron when we talk about providing increased training and in-service training of 40, that's gonna that's more funding because somebody has to pay for that and when you uh, when you require an officer to be in 40 hours of in-service training a year, then someone has to replace them on the street. It isn't like you can just take them for the day and remove them. There has to be a number of officers available uh, to deal with the the constant calls that they receive. It would be great if there was a, uh, you know, someone talk a mental health team that goes out to deal with those social issues that really police shouldn't deal with, but, we train our police to really do everything. They're, they're uh, you know, mental health counselors. They, they have to be social workers. They have to be, um, uh, you know, they, you name it. Uh, so it, it's a very difficult job. They don't feel that, like they have the support of many in the community now. They feel, you know, eight weeks ago, uh, prior to, to George Floyd, eight weeks ago, police in our country would be inhaled as heroes. They were first responders. Today. It's 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 a different story. So, you know, it's an issue. I hope that that we can uh, w- w- I'd like to think we're, we're going to deal with it in the in the right way in the commonwealth Although we're still going to have a, a vote on this police reform legislation But it's something that you know, as we look at a nation we see a great deal of stress on uh, How we how we protect uh, our citizens?
1: Indeed, and I think that uh, although a lot of these are, as Angela was asking, is you know, a lot of these issues are local issues. But we do have, we do have, you know, the, the 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 national government does have a role in it as well. And especially when it comes to fund, especially when it comes to funding for all of these things that you mm-hmm. so uh, pointedly mentioned. I mean, if you want the police to have training, you know, it's not like you know those neighborhoods are going to be now unprotected for forty plus hours.
2: No. You know, let's give you a quick example. When I was on the police department in Florida. We had 250 police officers today. They have 210 hmm. You know how you know, our population really hasn't hasn't decreased in 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 those uh, those 30 years so uh, You know they're, they're multitasking. They're doing a number of community service uh, Much uh, where they attend neighborhood meetings. This, this is something we never did back then. So things have changed you know, uh, uh, it's very different. Uh, I just, I just want to. Uh, I know the importance of, 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 of dealing with uh, systemic racism in the country, but I also want to uh, make sure that uh, we just don't uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Correct. And I just want to say before I know you, we're probably going to run out of time. I could I could go on for another hour, you know. <laughs> I
1: know you could, and it's <laughs> amazing, and it's always fascinating talking to you.
2: <laughs> I just wanted to say how important I think Flot has been. I mean, look, we've had the opportunity you and I to meet there. We sat together at those uh, meetings. You know, um, my first impression sometimes when I'm invited to go uh, to a conference or uh, is. Uh, you know, you're going to get a lot of information that you really can't use mm-hmm. Not the case uh, Not the case when we've been with flod those those uh, daily um, meetings we've had we had the ability as you can recall to be with uh, The secretary of, of their defense the secretary of state to learn more about what was going on uh, with uh, the european economy um, energy. There's so many issues that really have made a difference uh, for me. And I know to the members of the Portuguese delegation in the United States Mm -hmm. that really so important, you know, when I when I look back at that, of course, uh, we didn't we weren't able to go this past year because of uh, COVID. But it's uh, really incredible the the relationships we have made and and the importance of that in keeping our, uh, our culture strong and our countries united. Uh, working together, you know, I, I keep, I get a flashback of, of lodges, lodges, the, you know, our air base in Seda and what went on with that issue, you know, uh, and, and I'm happy that we're we're still involved with that because we, you know, when we see the strategic importance of that, um, I'm very happy that we're still there. Uh-huh. You could see the Chinese scooping that up in a second. I think we had lots of conversation about that when we were were in Lisboa. But, uh, uh, you know, I I think our advocacy helped uh, in in ensuring that that would uh, remain a a place where we would have that connection.
1: And how important to you, uh, since you mentioned flood, I'm glad you did, um, how important to you uh, was that the other aspect that's always mentioned about these legislative dialogues, which is, of course, the largest delegation was from Massachusetts because that's where we have right now the largest number of Portuguese Americans serving. But you know these contacts that you made with people all the way from not only your neighbors uh, in Rhode Island, you know Connecticut, uh, from California, the 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 sitting congressman, um, Virginia, etc., uh, Pennsylvania. So because so it's important. it's a time that, you know, you, even though you might be close to Rhode Island to Massachusetts, but you don't have a lot of time to spend to do these networking with other Portuguese-Americans who are in public office.
2: We would have never had the opportunity to meet uh, some of our counterparts, uh, our colleagues in other states, who have uh, some of the same issues and, and the same concerns, not only about uh, what's happening, uh, you know, with the Portuguese, Portugal and in, in U.S. relations, But what's happening in our own states and communities that uh, We have benefited by to our meeting uh, And our conversation and our continued connection, you know, uh, you know There's nothing like that face-to-face opportunity to sit with like you for example and uh and the uh You know and and congressman uh, costa uh, and, and when I think of Dan DuPont, who's no longer a senator in Rhode Island, but he he played a very important role in, mm-hmm. in uh, you know our relationship. We still we still maintain communications. Uh, I know he's constantly on my Facebook page making comments, and and we, uh, we we're, we're constantly communicating. But uh, with so many others in the United States, Devin Nunes, mm-hmm. Devin Nunes, uh, you know, showing up at our meetings and and uh, participating in in conversation with us. Um, all uh, brings us closer together, and and um, I have to thank uh, Flod, uh for that opportunity, uh, uh, and, and I look forward to his meeting again.
1: Well, Angela, I think we well, are coming yeah. on, up on time. Yeah, we could yeah, continue because think- there's that three or four other issues, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've already gone over about twelve.
2: We, or 15 We covered a few. We covered a few. That's,
0: yes, that's okay. We we'll just have to have you back on. I would be happy to uh, I'd again. Be
1: done. So I think. I, this, I, is- I, yeah, I think I'd love to have you back on, uh, To and I know Angela as well, we'd love to have you back on, especially to deal with issues of law enforcement because there's a lot of different myths yeah. that need to be uh, addressed anyway.
2: I would be happy right. to do that. And again, I want to thank you and Angela for allowing me to come on the podcast. I think what you're doing is, is very important uh, for us, for, for not only a Portuguese-American legislators, but everyone who represents and tries to uh improve the quality of life for uh for portuguese americans and others in 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 this in our great nation
0: well thank you very much and thank you for your time uh representative sylvia we really appreciate it and uh hopefully we'll get to see you soon in person again You know sooner than than before and thank you to everybody out there who uh, Listened in and joined us for another conversation on politicus. If you haven't hit subscribe Please do so now and share this podcast with friends and family so that we can uh, engage more people in the conversation about getting more Portuguese in uh, Public active in public service, and if you have a few minutes, please uh, Leave us a review on iTunes. It actually helps more people find us and again having as many people People in the conversation as possible is really is what's going to make a difference in our community and and the community at large. So um, thank you again, thank you Denise, thank you Rep Sylvia, and until next time, take have care. Have a great day. Thank,
1: thank you so you much. Thank, much. thank you. Bye
0: bye. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palkus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palkus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palkuspalkus.org. At the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palkus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso American Development Foundation.